0: When we look at the I am statements of Jesus, all of them are important. There's no question about that. These are seven statements that Jesus is saying about himself to help us understand better who Jesus is. So all seven are incredibly important. But I do think it would be fair to say that when we get to this final statement of Jesus where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, there are no more important words that Jesus ever says about himself than those words. These are uh, words of power, of majesty, of proclamation. I mean, they're almost a masterpiece of sorts that Jesus is giving to us when he comes. And you can just, I invite you to feel some of the power that he is offering when he says these words, when he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. You can almost think of it as a magnum opus of sorts. I mean, this is a summation of who Jesus is. It's a crescendoing in the Gospel of John when Jesus gets to this point and lays this out there. There is nothing more significant that he offers to us. And so what I want to do is I want to take just a moment, I was thinking about how we could share in this, I want to share with you a musical version of what I think Jesus is saying here this morning. And so I want to just invite you to listen to this music, whether it is your style or not, I want to invite you to hear it the crescendoing. I want to invite you to hear the power that's in it. I want, to hear, want you to feel sort of this building sense that is within it. So we're just going to sit back a moment and let's go ahead and listen carefully to this music. And you can crank it up. Pretty good. That is the William Tell Overture by Rossini. Some of you might know that better. That is the Lone Ranger song. Uh, so you might know more by that way, but it's really interesting, at least for me. I've never been a conductor, but when I hear music like that, there's a part of me that wants to be the conductor. Can you imagine me in the one who's like the one leading all of these instrumentalists to this, this just kind of high point crescendo kind of thing, this magnum opus moment? I just picture being there, and I'm not even the biggest like, classical fan out there, but I love some of those moments of just sort of being swept up and feeling the building momentum. I was watching some of you, and some of you were pretty stone-faced throughout it, but a lot of you had a a smile on your face, and then a lot of you started kind of moving a little bit, and a couple of you have been doing this. I know I watched. I saw this throughout the morning. You were doing the Lone Ranger thing. I saw you when you were doing that, which is appropriate because we've just heard this magnum opus piece by Rossini. Of course, we should have a response. And so Jesus comes and we're in the gospel of John and he lays it out there. I am the way and the truth and the life, this summation of who he is. Of course his disciples should have some kind of response. Of course we should react in some way. And that's kind of some of what's going on here this morning when Jesus comes and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So let's unpack a little bit what Jesus is doing when he actually gives us that statement. One of the things that he's doing is he is affirming for us the tangible presence of God among his people. And I want us to understand that pretty clearly because this is a pretty big deal that when Jesus is saying, I'm the way, the truth, the life, part of what he is doing is saying, I am God in the flesh. I am God right here before you. And so he's affirming the tangible presence of God. That's significant for this reason. Every other religion said, let me point you to God off in the distance. Every other religion said, let me show you teachings about God, off in the distance. And yet here's Jesus saying when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, it is God before you in flesh and blood. It is this statement that forever alters the relationship between humanity and God. It is a rock the world, rock the universe kind of moment when Jesus declares this. So you and I, after all this time, this is one of the more familiar passages of Scripture. We tend to hear this at different times, and we're sort of like, yeah, or that affirms what I believe. We are missing what Jesus is really sharing. It is, it is a mind-shifting, soul-shifting thing when he says, I am before you, God in the flesh. And when Jesus does this, it's significant because there's an entirely new way that humanity can now experience and relate to God because God is tangibly present as the way, the truth, the life. At the same time, when Jesus does this, he's describing who he is. He's giving us not just the description that God is before us. He's defining for us who this God is. Jesus is showing us who this God is, and part of what Jesus is doing is he's getting very, very specific He's saying this God gets very, very particular. I don't know if you remember a number of weeks ago, we talked about that camera that was on top of the tower and it was special because it had such a high pixelation that it had the ability to zoom all the way down and get into the crevices and you could see up close and personal. When Jesus says that he is the tangible presence of God, part of what he is doing is showing us up close and personal in a very specific and a very particular way who this God is. It's not not just God of the universe, it is Jesus, the face of God, up close and personal with us. We gave that image of the diamond, that when you're holding a diamond and you keep turning it different ways, every time you turn it, you get a different angle to see part of the beauty and the splendor and the glory of God. Every time Jesus gives us one of his I am statements, he is turning the diamond a different way. So, we can get a different angle of the beauty and the majesty and the grace of what he's giving to us. And so, when Jesus comes this morning and says, I'm the way, he's taking that diamond and showing us, revealing to us in an ever more specific way who God is. Now, for you and I, when we hear the term the way, we get partly what that means, but I don't think we understand fully what it means. And when Jesus would have said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life, when he used the phrase the way, There were certain meanings, there were certain connotations that came with that, and I want to make sure we understand that so that we can get the full grasp of what Jesus is really sharing with us. So partly when Jesus said, I am the way, part of what he was referring to was sort of a very broad, very general wisdom of the ages. When Jesus said, I am the way, part of what he was doing is to say, to be a good person means just follow the ways of wise people, of good people. If you generally follow their teachings, follow generally the ways of the wise, things are gonna work out fine for you, and we find this in scripture. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I do invite you to open with me. We're gonna look for a moment in the book of Proverbs. If you don't, we're gonna put these scriptures on screen for you here this morning, because I want you to understand, even in scripture, there are references to the way being used in the way I just described. So in, in Proverbs chapter 2, verse eight, it says this, for he guards the course of the just, and he protects the way of the faithful ones. This is a very broad statement that when he says The course of the just and protects the way of faithful ones. Notice it's just a broad thing, like the faithful through the ages. Or if you look also in verse 20 of chapter 2 of Proverbs, it says, Thus you will walk in the ways of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. Now notice again, it says the ways of the good, right? Like just this wide open kind of thing. There's not much specificity there. But if you walk in these ways, life is going to turn out okay. You will be considered righteous. It's a very broad kind of thing. The disciples would have understood that when Jesus said, the way. They would have also understood, though, a little bit more specific reference of what Jesus meant when he said, the way. And we find that also in scripture. And so if you look in Psalm 119, chapter 119, verse 1, it says there, Psalm 119, 1, blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law, of the Lord. So look in this case. There's again a reference to ways, but now ways is linked a little bit more specifically to what? To the ways of the Lord, the more specific teachings of God. Or if you look in Psalm 86 verse 11, it says this, teach me your ways, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart, or I will walk in your faithfulness. So again, the reference to way here is linked directly to the teachings of of God. And so part of what Jesus is doing when he says, I'm the way, he's both saying, I'm the way generally, good in the universe, wisdom of the ages, and I'm the way, meaning in reference to the specific teachings of God or the laws of God. And we hear that and we're sort of like, okay, here's kind of what that means. If I were to say to you here this morning, hey, do you like music in general? I'm guessing most of us would say, well, yeah, I like music in general. But then if I were to say to you, well, do you like opera music? Or do you like the gingham style kind of music? Which one of those would you like? My guess is at that point, you still like music, but you probably like one of those better than others. You might be like, well, I like rap, but I don't really like country or whatever the case may be. By getting a little bit more specific, we have a more strong reaction to it. That's a little bit of what Jesus is doing here. Or if I say to you, do you like sports in general? You might be like, yeah, I like sports. But if I say, well, do you like basketball or football? At that point, you start to be like, well, I like basketball, but I don't really like football. There's a specificity to it that we start to have a little bit more strong reaction to. So when Jesus says, I'm the way, that's part of what he's doing. I'm not just good across the universe. I'm also good. I'm also the way in reference to the teachings of God. That part, this part, the disciples would have gotten when Jesus said the way. But then, Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus then says to them, now, I, personally, flesh and blood before you, I am the way, the truth, the life. And it's at this point, new information, new reality is setting in for the disciples, and it would have been I get broad across the universe way, i get teachings connected with god way but jesus specifically as a person way truth life why because here's what jesus is doing he's specifically associating the meaning of the way with himself directly personally He's taking those broad categories and even some of the more specific teachings of God and he's applying them directly to him, himself. And when he applies them directly to himself, he then is saying, I therefore am defining it that I am the truth and I personally am the life. He's combining himself with truth and life. And for the disciples and us, that becomes pure. Here's why, if I say to you, do you like music, and you say, I do like music, and I say, well, what kind, and let's say you like pop music, that le- pop music may be something that you really like, it goes to another whole level when I say, well, what do you think about somebody like Michael Jackson, who's often considered the king of pop. Some of us have really intense affection for a Michael Jackson, some of us really want to back up, why? Because suddenly this broad category has a face and it's become much more specific. So I say to you something like, I like basketball. I do like basketball. But if it gets a little bit more specific, anytime I get the chance, I push Duke on you. I fully realize that. And so I do that because I really like Duke. I get excited about Duke. Duke is more to me than just basketball. But now, especially this year, there's this great player named Zion Williamson and I can get so excited about Zion Williamson and talking about it. Why? Because there's a face to the basketball. There's this personal connection that wasn't there before that takes me way deeper and it means way more than it does when it's just the broad category of basketball or I can say to you, I really like basketball, but now I live in Williamsport. I am a huge Williamsport millionaire basketball fan, and I really am, but it takes a whole nother level of basketball loving for me when yesterday I'm at my son Zach's basketball game and he scores some points, and I am there every moment of the way with him, agonizing and celebrating the whole way. Why? Because basketball has a face, and not just a face, a deep personal connection with me. That's my son playing. That's what Jesus is doing here with the disciples when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. God, love, has a face, and not just a face, but a face that loves us more than we could ever love ourselves. A love that looks at each one of us as sons and daughters of the living God. For the disciples, when they hear this, how about for us? When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, is that another religious affirmation, or is this the truth of our life? Do we know about God, or do we know God deeply, intimately, passionately as the way, the truth, the life of our lives? the grand composer who has crafted us out of love to know him. Which is it? Think about the context that Jesus is sharing these words. It's his last night on earth. It's in the Gospel of John, chapter 14. The next day, Jesus is going to be killed, and he's sharing, therefore, his most important, intimate things with his disciples. And it's in that context that he says to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. Now, here's the thing for me. If I'm Jesus at this point in the game, I'm at the end. I spent all this time with these disciples. They should get it. They should know who I am. There shouldn't be any more doubt. When I say I'm Jesus, they should know everything that encompasses, because they would have seen miracles, and they've heard all my teachings. And yet, even here at the end, look what it says here in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 8 uh, through 11. Listen to what it says. This is absolutely unbelievable. Philip said, Lord, Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Now, at this point, we're not told anything else in Scripture, but I, I just have a moment. It's difficult for me to believe that at some point, point when, when Philip says this to Jesus, that Jesus wasn't like, like hands on hips, deep sigh, maybe an eye roll. Phil, you've got to be kidding me after everything you've seen after all the stuff i've taught you i've shown you i've told you i that's me the father it's me (laughs) so why in the world are you looking at me saying show me the father and that'll be enough hello here i am and yet we're told in scripture jesus answered again eyes rolling thinking you got to be kidding me i don't know but jesus says don't you know me philip Even after I've been among you all this time, after all the stuff you've seen and experienced, you don't get it. Anyone who has seen me, Phil, they've seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father? The Father's in me. The words I say to you, I don't speak in my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and he, the Father, is in me. Or at least believe the evidence of the works themselves over and over. Philip, disciples, listen. Father's in me. I'm in him. Vice versa, back and forth, over and over and over. All this constant repetition. Philip, after all this time, how can you not get it? And at least for me, when I'm hearing this, I'm like, I don't understand you, Philip. How could you be so thick, so dull? You spent all this time with him, and you still don't see him. Until the voice in the back of my own mind, or in my soul, says, but Matt, How often am I with you and you don't see me either? I'm with you every step of the way, and yet you keep doubting. I'm with you every step of the way, and yet you're more worried about lesser details. I'm with you every step of the way, and yet you're focused on other things. How can you miss me? Some of us are so full of zealousness for Jesus that we're missing Jesus. Some of us are so filled with information about Jesus, we're not seeing Jesus. Some of us come week after week into this space or tune in online week after week and we think we're doing it and really we're missing Jesus because we're good at our religion and we're good at our routines, but do we really know Jesus has the way, the truth, the life? because for many of us, we would much rather talk about our positions than Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. We would much rather have my theological underpinnings affirmed than just focusing on Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. We would much rather hear something that makes me happy on the conservative side or the progressive side than knowing Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Philip, don't you see me? Matt. Matt don't you see me why are you so distracted by all these lesser things and then i meet a lot of people and they say things like well you know what if jesus would just show up in front of me then i'd really follow him like if he just showed up then i would or yeah i believe in god but i'm not really willing to lay down my life for him but if he were to show up in front of me then i would i would do it because then it would be real So indulge me just a moment. You know that in a court of law, if there is a witness, a witness is somebody who is there to bear witness to the truth, and because that witness bears witness to the truth, other people then make appropriate decisions. Well, just step back a moment. Let's just say for a moment, let's pretend I'm a witness. And I'm a witness to the truth, and not not just a witness to the truth, but I say to you, I say to you here this morning as clearly as I can, flesh and blood, standing before you, Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross for your sins and mine, Went to the grave, rose again, resurrected for you and for me, out of the deepest love possible. I say that to you, and we tend to be like, "Yeah, well, you know, okay, sure. I may have heard that before. I've heard it, but am I willing to live into it?" Think about this. Think of all the bazillion places you could be right now. You could have been born any other time in history. You could have been born in the first century. You could have been born in Scotland, or you could have been born in Africa, or you could have been born in another United States. Uh, what are the odds, all of history, all culture, what are the odds that you'd be right here, right now, either in person or online, hearing somebody directly stand before you as a witness to the truth and say, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, lived, died, resurrected. What are the odds that you'd end up sitting here, hearing those words as clearly as anything right now to you? You could have been driving here this morning, your car broke down, but you're still here. Could have woken up this morning and been like, I don't feel very good, but you're still here. Could have woken up this morning and been like, I don't feel like going, and yet somehow we're all connected right now. Do we really think that's a mistake? What are the odds that we would have somebody bearing witness to the truth this directly, right here, right now, in this very moment? Dare we say it is miraculous that we would have this exact moment together? And Jesus says, Philip, don't you see me? I'm right there. I'm right here with you. Matt, I'm right here with you. Rick, I'm right here with you. Janet, I am the way and the truth and the life. Do you know it? Do you believe it? Are you living into it? And here's one reason. I don't think we often are. Look at the rest of this. John chapter 14. Listen to verses 12 through 14. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He'll do even greater things than these. Because I've been going to the Father and I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I don't know about you, but I'm like, really, Jesus? We will do greater things than you? Really? So if we're not seeing more miracles than what Jesus did, if we as the people of God don't have some sense of peace in the midst of a very anxious society, if we as the people of God don't have some some sense of divine purpose in a society where everyone is wandering and looking for meaning anywhere they can grab it, if we aren't willing to step out of our comfort zones for the purpose of sacrificial love for others when everyone else chooses to remain comfortable then I'm guessing the reason that these things are happening is because we don't live and experience Jesus as the way, the truth, the life. Today really is so basic. All we really want to do is create a little bit of space for just a few moments today where the Holy Spirit can step in and speak to us in a way where we too can hopefully not just identify but embrace Jesus Christ has the way, the truth, the life in such a way that is so deeply personal that love has a face in our lives and the face of that love is Jesus himself. So often you and I have a tendency to say, well, I'll follow Jesus when? I'll follow Jesus when all my questions are answered, when all my doubts are answered. At that point then I'm ready to jump. Do you realize we don't do that in any other area of life? We don't get ready to marry somebody and say, well, wait, before we do that, I've got 500 questions, and I'm going to ask you every single one until every single shred of doubt is gone. Only then will we pursue the relationship together. We don't do that. To get married, you pursue the person. You get to know the person, and as that relationship develops, the questions then somehow take care of themselves. But if we ask too many questions and we focus too much on the details, we miss the relationship itself. To this day, I almost missed one of the greatest gifts in my life. Years ago, when I first went to Duke uh, Seminary, I was willing to have a roommate just to help with costs. And so they connected me with a guy named Danny. Danny from Indiana. I had never met Danny. Now, looking back on this, I will confess to you, I'm rather embarrassed to admit this, but literally, we were put in touch with each other. I called him on the phone, and I think I was like, Hi, Danny. My name's Matt. We're supposed to be roommates. How you doing? And then, man, I just blitzed him. Like 500 questions. What time do you go to bed? What time do you get up? Are you neat? Are you clean? What do you like to eat? Do you like to exercise? Do you, and I just, question, I'm embarrassed looking back on it. Like, it, if I would have been Danny, I would have been like, thanks, but no thanks. I mean, I had never met him. And yet I asked all these questions, like trying to figure out if it was going to fit. Thankfully, thankfully, Danny was still willing to be my roommate. And he is an amazing man who's been with me in some of life's most trying circumstances for me. He's been such an incredible gift that I almost missed because I wanted the questions answered before I got to know the relationship. The invitation today is don't get distracted by the questions, but take a step in the relationship to experience and to know the great I am the way and the truth and the life. And here's how we wanna ask you to do that this morning before we're on our way to other things. In just a few moments, I'm gonna offer a prayer that I'm gonna invite all of us into. But when I conclude that prayer, what I'm gonna ask you to do, this is where those inserts come into play. I'm gonna ask you then to read over the insert on the side that has the seven I am statements just listed. As you are reading over those seven I am statements, I want you just to listen And let the Holy Spirit lift up for you the one you need to most look at, most respond to, most focus on. And once the Holy Spirit has made that clear to you, then flip it over onto the other side and go just to the statement that's been laid on your heart and there will be some questions and some suggested action steps for you then to follow. Take those suggestions as exactly that, suggestions. A catalyst for further action steps moving into the rest of this week of what your focus on that particular I am statement, what actions may result from that. If you are worshiping online for us, we will give you those I am statements so that you can do something similar. We want to ask you to hang with us in these moments until we get all the way through this prayer and reflection. And then after you've had a chance to look at those statements, see which one the Holy Spirit lays on your heart. Then Jake is going to close us together in a time of prayer and we'll conclude uh, our time together this morning with one another. Our hope and our prayer is that we in doing this will have the space the pausing and the willingness to listen and to see and open our hearts in a way to truly deeply intimately know jesus as the light the bread the gate the shepherd the vine the resurrection and the way the truth the life Would you pray with me? Almighty God, as we gather together here this day, we pray now in these moments that it would be a truly powerful time. We pray, God, that you will come and speak to us in a way we cannot ignore. Help us to hear you, see you, feel you, experience you god in jesus will you come and be our light help us to sense your majesty fill us with your life shine your light into our darkest places overwhelm us with your light and your life jesus today be our bread let us hunger for you and we pray that you'll fill us Help us to rely on you day to day and moment to moment. Jesus, today be our gate. Simultaneously come now into our hearts and help us to live your love out in and with the rest of the world. Jesus, be our shepherd. You know us so personally. You who knows every single detail about us. You who know us by name. You who have laid down your life for your sheep. Come and be our shepherd. Lord, be our vine. Connect us to the Father. Connect us to the power of the Holy One. Flow seamlessly in and out of our souls. In these moments God be our resurrection if we're really honest with you here this morning God some of us are dead or feeling like we're dead or feeling like we're dying remind us that death never ever has the final say in you remind us Lord that you reign that the tomb is empty And Lord, this day, let us experience you as the way and the truth and the life. God, give us the eyes and ears to see and know that you are right here, right now, wanting to embrace us and not just know about you, but know you. Lord, as we pray these things this day, may you not just be information to us, May we experience your transformation within us. This we pray in your name.